Hey, headbangers, this is Rudy Sarzo, and you're feeling the noise on Focus on Metal. Focus on Metal! Scott Thompson here, and... Me. Can you freaking believe it? Yes, at long last, uh, we managed to get to schedule shit together and uh, actually get the two of us in the same room for, I don't know, we were just kind of uh, going back over concert things, and I can't believe how long it's been since we've actually talked to each other, <laughs> yeah. like, physically. <laughs> if you hear the police sirens outside, I have to run again. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. I think I had dark hair the last time I was down here. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I was married last time, but no, no, it hasn't been that long. The, well, the Saxon discography, when we started it, you were. Yeah, that's true, it was. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, I mean, yeah, so you've, I mean, I've gone to some great shows, you've gone to some great shows, um, yeah, and it's been like, yeah, it's been a pretty damn long time. Yeah, it's a couple of months. Yeah. I've yeah. still been doing the interviews, yep. but. Um, yeah, thank God for that. We haven't got together and <laughs> did, did some discussion, and yeah, I've been dying to do this for a while. Like, the interviews are great, but. um I like to mix it up a bit, and I just haven't been able to do it recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you got you to do the things. Like, certain things come first, so, family. you know. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, anyways, you know, you know, as I kind of teased last week about uh, we were going to finally try to get this done for the last show before we take our summer break, and uh, it's actually going to happen. So it, it's amazing, and, and I know that, uh, and I don't know why, and I've mentioned this to some other people I know, that one of the most popular series of things we do on the show is this Saxon discography talk, you know, yeah. and the amount of reaction we got to it. And, and for a long time, we were getting a lot of people who were like, when's the next one? When's the next one? And I think it's been so damn long. They gave up on us. Like they're never going to do the last one. I don't, and blame, then, I don't blame them. And we thought honest. this was the last one. And, and then they come out with Thunderbolt and it's like, God damn it. Now we got to wait for two more albums and do another one. Yeah. Well, by the time we got around to this, we they might've had three more albums. <laughs> out, but uh, yeah, this, um, this has taken a while. I interviewed Biff um, when, they, when they supported uh, UFO at the end of last year. And um, they played the Palladium. And, you know, the, the interview was, was arranged. And I had to ask Biff before I even did the interview, was it okay if I did these albums? Yeah. Because he could have said, no, I just want to talk about the tour. I want to talk about Thunderbolt. Right. But yeah. He was fine. He had no problem doing it. But... I did get a chance to um, see the band uh, Soundcheck after the interview because Biff brought me down. He was great. And um, I had a dinner sanctum on vinyl, so I knew the whole band had played on that. Uh -huh. So I asked Biff, would he sign it? Yeah. And at the end of the interview, and he said, um, do you want me to get the rest of the band to sign it? And I said, yeah, I'd love to if you can. Sure. And he said, come on down with me. Now, yeah. He brought me down to the, the hall in the Palladium. Yeah. He sat me down and said, now you sit there, watch the sound check. The band will be in in a minute. Yeah. So every, I could see Biff on the stage. Yeah. Every band member that walked in, he brought, he pointed to the album, signed that for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow. And uh, so the band did four songs, I think, in the sound check. And two of them weren't in the set. One of them was Ride Like the Wind. Uh-huh. So Saxon are playing to me and about, eight people uh -huh. in the yeah. Palladium, yeah. right? That probably holds about, what, 1,500? 
Yeah, it's like 15 yeah, and 2,000, yeah. yeah. So I'm sitting there and the band are playing and for the last song, Biff gets off the stage and he stands right in front of me, but he's back to me, uh-huh. watching the band, singing right. the song. Yeah. So I got a few pictures of that. And like, that was just surreal. <laughs> like Biff watching his own band play. And um, so I met Biff. I talked to Nibs for a few minutes. And, you know, I, I said hello to um, to Paul Quinn. Yeah. And did I, I don't think I met Nigel. But, you know, I got a chance to talk to a yeah. couple of them. The road manager is fantastic. And uh, we did the chat about uh, the albums. And I got about half an hour with him. Yeah. The funny thing was, when I got there, he, the road manager didn't know where he was. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, everything worked out great. And I went home after Saxon. I didn't see UFO. Yeah. And uh, I've never seen UFO now. And, of course, Phil Mogg has uh, yep. said he's retiring. Yeah. He's hanging it up. So yeah. that's just uh, the way it goes. But a great interview. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I saw him with Priest, and, and they did great. And, uh, and uh, Nikki got some great pictures. So... I could focus solely on everything that was going on stage, so she's always great about getting the pictures for me. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they did fantastic. They did a lot of new material, and, uh, and yeah, it was great to, great to see him in the, in the Palladium up close like that, you know? Biff is nearly 70, yeah, and he still sings amazingly well. For me, I was in my glory. It was, you know, it was great. I mean, be able to see Black Star Riders and Saxon and Priest all in one night and, and, ba- and have... Basically, like, nobody between us and the stage kind of thing was awesome. It was good to hear him play, like, a lot of new stuff, too. What was really weird was um, there was, you know, kids around us, younger kids, and uh, they knew, like, all the old stuff and nothing of the new stuff. Nothing. (laughs) I'm missing out. It was driving both of us crazy because they were, like, sitting there texting to each other and, like, making fun of, like, Richie Faulkner and stuff and uh, just, like, like, why are you here? Like, bring and leave. Like, what the hell? <laughs> just, like, not getting it. Um, but, yeah, um, Black Star Riders did great. Though That was, yeah, just like I said, was a, that was an awesome, awesome show. And, and, you know, finally in the big room, too. So, nice, nice comfy seats. And, yeah, it's good stuff. Couldn't go. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was looking forward to you going. I know uh, Allison was looking forward to, to, to you going. And, uh, yeah, I, I actually, I never didn't even catch up with her that night. Yeah. So, yeah, I couldn't go and it was sold out anyway. Yeah, it was um, funny because, you know, where we sat, we, we got out. I, I went uh, and we were grabbing a beer. And and then uh, when I realized that the doorway for me to go out and grab a beer was basically walking across the front stage. So when we left, we went that way too. And we were walking. And I said, You realize this is the front room. We're on the stage of the front room right now. She's like, You're kidding me. I'm like, No, no. This is like, this is the sweatshop right here. <laughs> But but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad we're finally getting ready to you know getting ready to do this, and with the ultimate, as I keep saying, the ultimate guest to discuss Saxon with. I mean, Biff Byford. It can't get any better than that, right? I mean, we've had some great guests with producers and stuff, but to actually talk to uh, you know the man himself is is an incredible part you know to to do. So it was pretty cool that you were able to go out and do this, and and uh, he was pretty candid about everything as well. And like you said, I mean, no attitude, no nothing, and. I'm sure a lot of these, you know, he's discussed these albums, probably not as much as he's discussed things like Strong Over the Law and Denim and Leather and stuff, but, you know, I'm sure they've, you know, they've been a promotion machine every time these albums come out. So it's definitely, uh, uh, it was pretty cool that he was, you know, willing to, to do this, especially when they really were hardcore trying to, pr- you know, promote Thunderbolt. Yeah. So. Dan, 
the work rate still is phenomenal. Yeah. Like every two years they have a new album and they tour relentlessly. Yep. Yeah. And um, there's no sign of them slowing down. And the material's still great. Yeah. I mean, the new album is, I mean, obviously this one isn't to talk about the new album, but Thunderbolt's fantastic. It is. You know, it really is. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no let up with Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't sound... Well, there's a little bit of old Saxon that's creeped in over the last couple, but uh, they've kind of, you know, they've mardened it up and stuff, and you can definitely, you know, hear Doug's influence in there and stuff. And uh, But, yeah, I'm still like one of my all-time favorite bands. Yeah. Know? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. So uh, what do you say we uh, we dive in and uh, start listening to, uh, to you and Biff talk at the Palladium? Sure. Right, so I'm here with Biff Boyford backstage in the Palladium in Worcester. Yeah. And he's agreed to talk about the last three Saxon records that we have to do under discography. So the first one I'm going to touch on is uh, called The Arms. Um, did you know Toby Jepson at all from the Little Angels days? Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, they supported us uh, in the late 80s, actually. Late 80s, or 90s. Yeah, around... Um, Around the Destiny time. Around that time. Yeah, this Walter did a few shows in Europe with us. Yeah, I knew him, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you know him as a producer at all? Did you know him as a uh, No, he wasn't a producer then. It was, it was just uh, the you know, singer in the band. Uh, it's only in the last sort of, I think, five, six years that he started producing and, you know, getting his finger in a lot of pots. Yeah, so what made you pick him? Well, he's a mate of mine. And... Um, we co-produced it, really. Okay. Uh, together. And um, we had a, uh, you know, we had a, a great um, meeting of minds on it, really. It's, it's a great album. Yeah, and you wanted to go in, in a different direction. Is that why you didn't use Charlie as much on this one as the other ones? Um, well, we did use Charlie on that album, actually. Yeah, he did um, some of it. You know, he, uh, he was... Um, I'm just going to look at the track list then. Just remind myself a bit. Um, yeah, Charlie was the engineer on it. Yeah, on all of it? I, I think he was, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Because um, we did some of it at Brighton. And um, Charlie was there. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah, engineer Brighton, Charlie Buffett. So Charlie was there. We were mixing it in Brighton. Okay. So Charlie was... Um, there for the mix. Yeah. Do you, do you have a say in what studio you're going to record in at all, or do you leave that up to, to Charlie or maybe Toby? Um, well, it, it depends really. We've done two albums now with Andy at Andy's place, uh, but yeah, we travel around. It makes no difference really. All the mischief, everything's the same anyway. We tend to use big studio rooms. Yeah, you're old school. The, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to do a home studio job. You actually want to go to a proper studio. Yeah, we like the big drum sound, you know. Yeah, I'm sure Nigel likes So, um, yeah, we try to use big rooms. Yeah. As big yeah. as we can get. But, so, yeah. It's, um, so, yeah, that was a, a, a mixture of Charlie, Engineer, and me and Toby producing. Um, yeah, I like the album. And yeah. Mike Plotnikoff did it, did the cut. Yeah, we've had Mike on the show. He's a great guy. Pardon? We've had Mike on the show. He's a great guy. He used yeah, to work in, I mean, Mike's uh, a great uh, mix engineer. Yeah. Well, he's a good producer as well, actually. Yeah. But he's never produced us, but he has. He, he, he did mix the album. Yeah, yeah. And we sent the we sent the we sent out te test mixes, uh, test songs, Hammer of the Gods, actually, to three um, 
mixed engineer, engineers, and Mike's was the best. Okay. okay. And uh, he's done a few things for us now. Yeah. In fact, he mixed my son's band as well. Oh, nice. Mm. Is this the one your son is on, or is he on one of the ones? Pardon? Your son is on one of the records, isn't he? I think it might be doing backing vocals, it might be battery. He is on one of the songs, yeah. Yeah. So this album is um, a little more, more old school than maybe Into the Labyrinth and The Inner Sanctum. Do you think a, so? A, a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little. Um, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it is a bit, yeah. We're back in 79. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say Hammer of the Gods is too old. No, some of it's really heavy. But, um, Mists of Avalon. Um, yeah, it's a mixture. The album's a mixture of styles. As, as always, it's some some hard rock, some heavy metal. Yeah, so you don't go in with a set direction on a particular album, do you? you just uh, we write songs. Out. You just write songs, yeah. that's it. That's what we do. <laughs> and we, we write songs, um, and then I, I choose what songs we have we work on further. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so, yeah. I mean, I like, this, I like the album to be interesting. Yeah, one of the things Charlie said when we spoke to him, is that um, Nibs can bring in stuff that you might the band might feel is a little bit too modern what sounding what does he mean do you know what he means by that when he says that uh, when your bass player brings in songs they, they might be a little bit too left field for what for what the band Saxon normally is well Nibs writes a lot of stuff and we only use a fraction of it yeah he's very very prolific Nibs okay uh, but yeah I pick the guitarist that I like if Nibs got a nice guitar riff I'll pick that Okay. Because it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you go in with a clean slate on each album? Or do you, yeah. You, a clean slate? We do. So what is it, like, perspiration brings inspiration? You just got some... Well, we, 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 I just tell everybody that we're starting to write the album and they go off and do their thing. Okay. You know, I mean, Nibs... I don't like using old stuff that I've already heard. I want new stuff. Okay. You know, um, if I've already heard it and, and, you know, said it's not right... And I'm not going to say it's right mm -hmm. nine months later. You know, so. <laughs> so do you bring, do you bring in... Uh, would, you, would you write lyrics first or do you wait to hear the riffs? Sometimes I write lyrics first, sometimes I don't. Okay. Depends if it's... I mean, a lot of our lyrics are, are poetry and, uh, you know, they're telling a story about things. Uh, so when you're writing rhyming lyrics, it's, uh, it's sometimes good to get a first verse idea, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like the new album. I've just put some lyrics online, actually, on Facebook. Okay. For Secret of Flight. Excellent. Which is a, a song on the new album. What's that, Thunderbolt? Pardon? Thunderbolt is yeah. the new record, yeah. Yeah, so I might put a couple more lyrics on there. Yeah. We'll so see. The standout track for me on this is the title track. Hammer of the Gods. Uh, Call to Arms. Oh, Call to Arms, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought you meant the lead track. Yeah, I mean, it's a great track, that. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I wanted to write a, a poignant story about the First World War. Where does your love of history come? Is it from school or um, just in general? Just the way you grew up? Just comes, yeah. Yeah? I like history. You're just a prolific reader of history still? Yeah, I like, I like you know, 20th century history. Okay. You know, it, it, it's, uh, well, I like all history, actually. I mean, I write songs about Romans and, you know the Huns and everything really I'm always looking for whatever you know sometimes the riff talks to me and I come up with an idea when I hear the guitar riff for instance you know? yeah so there's no rules okay you know there's no there's no set uh, formula that we use yeah and one of the things I think that some bands do but we don't yeah 
Well, one of the things I noticed on, on this album and, and with Sacrifice, I got the, uh, the deluxe edition. Um, you've got Crusader, an orchestral version, and on the other one you got Call to Arms, an orchestral version. Uh, when you were doing the tracks like Crusader in the, in the 80s, did you want an orchestra on it and the record company said no budget? I don't, no think, budget? So. I don't you think so. You didn't want them? I mean, they're not really orchestra, it's orchestrated. Yeah. So it's played, it's played uh, on, on keyboards basically, mm -hmm. you know, these days with the samples. Yes. But it's scored for an orchestra by a guy who scores it all and then it's played. Okay. So an orchestra can play it, and we did have uh, on one of our shows like four uh, girl violinists playing wow. with us and a keyboard player. It sounded great. Yeah. Did you record so, that? It just just gives it another dimension, really. Yeah. You know, we're not. Uh, you know, on the new album, there's a song called Nosferatu, which is obviously about Dracula, or the book about Dracula. Mm -hmm. um, and we have already have an orchestrated version of that. Oh, great. So whether we have that on the album or as an extra, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, so we'll see. Is that something very early on you think of, or is it after you finish the track? You well, the thing is, we were approached for a film, okay? So we, we thought, um, well, let's, let's orchestrate it and make it more theatrical. That was the idea. Mm -hmm. So uh, a friend of ours did it, and... We like it. Okay. But the album's not finished yet. We're just listening to the last mixes now. So we're just about to decide whether to put the orchestrated version on or the unorchestrated version. So <laughs> you see, either way, you're not going to win, are we? Yeah. yeah so, well. so that's it.
Absolutely. I even uh, Biff slipped in a little Thunderbolt talk there too, which is good. You know, yeah, well, a little were, in there, right? <laughs> I can't blame them. Well, they were just um, like mi- finishing mixing up, mixing the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, obviously, you know, Call to Arms uh, title track. I love the title track. I think it's really good. It's definitely something that does have more of a a classic uh, Saxon sound to it. Uh, love Biff's voice on it. Uh, yeah, I don't care what you say, Nick. I, I like his voice on that one. Uh, but yeah, I think you know that one's good. Chasing the Bullet is awesome on this one as well. Um, Hammer of the Gods is awesome. Even the I don't know, even the even the artwork is kind of like classic. If you know Biff's personality and you know what he's into and stuff like that, and you look at that artwork and and it would scream two people: Biff Byford or Lemmy. I mean, that's just kind of you look at it and that's what you think of. Yeah, it has that historical theme to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never asked Toby Jepson about this when I interviewed him recently, and I was kind of kicking myself at the end of the interview. <laughs> yeah, that's he right. he co-produced this. Yeah. And uh, I just never got around to it. But um, but you did end, end up talking to, you know, mentioning him to Biff, though. Yes, you I did. a little bit there, so yeah. I did. Um, Miss of Avalon's my favorite track on this. Really? Yeah, it's a fantastic song. Um, I even like the orchestral version of Call to Arms. I'm not huge on orchestral versions of songs anyway. Yeah. No, I thought they I thought they did good and they did it good with the uh that other album they put out where they kind of did orchestral versions of a lot of them with strings and stuff. Ah, I was like, yeah, it's kind of it kind of breaks it up. I mean, it's not it's not like, you know, some of the other stuff, but uh, you know, it's cool. Um the other one I like on here too is is uh is is uh Back in 79. Yeah, well that's that's a real throwback. Yeah. to the old style right. stuff like, and, and and the band's played on and Right, sort of and you get some stuff. of that, you know, even on Thunderbolt, you get some of that as well, and and so that just that that kind of that uh, going back and you know thanking and reminding and saying, hey, you know, we didn't forget about this, and and so yeah, I really that one there kind of spoke to me too, just because you know I remember buying these albums in you know seventy eight, seventy nine, and stuff, so you know something like that, yeah, it's like a feel good song for me. Mm. The, the, the ballad of the working man, the last song, uh-huh. that sounds like something off Tin Lizzy's fighting album. <laughs> it has a real Lizzie yeah, feel yeah, to it. Yeah, they, they always throw in a track like that, kind of an oddball track that doesn't sound like anything on the rest of the album. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I, I like that about them. Even down to like you know back to like Dallas one p.m. I mean that was different than a lot of what was on there. So yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. All right, what do you say we uh, we move on to see what uh, what else uh, Biff has to say next? Okay, so we move on to um, sacrifice. Um, I think this is a little bit heavier than Call to Arms, in my opinion. I think I think the tr- the track the tracks are. Um, I mean, made in Belfast is not heavy metal ball. The, the way, title track the, is the it. way that we've done it. Um, the riffs are quite heavy. Yeah. But the but the vocal the vocal brings it back to a more poignant mm-hmm. you know, uh, moment. Yeah, it is really. I mean, Guardians of the Tune. That's a really big chorus song. Yeah. You know. Made in Belfast is a great song. It's all about the. Uh, it's about shipyards. Shipyards in Belfast. Belfast. Is it Harlan and Wolf? Yeah, yeah. Have you been there? Yeah, I was actually. I was there about four weeks ago. Oh, you played a gig? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Doing the um, Titanic Museum and the Game of Thrones. Oh, nice. It's the same place, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I really like this record. 
Um, you, you always tend to put this. Yeah, it's up, a super record. Though. Yeah, you always tend to put this like oddball track towards the end, like standing in a queue. Well, the the, the thing <laughs> is, they they um, they don't fit the, to the thing. Yeah, you know, they don't uh, stylistically, they don't fit. No, with the with the album, and uh, you know, I'll always have these, um, you know, songs with like quirky. Quite funny lyrics, you know. Yeah. The pe- people relate to them, don't they? Um, Is that something you just want to write on each record? Or you just want to do something a little bit different? Just the, the track talking to me, really. But on the new record, we've got one called A Rowdy's Song. Okay. Which is a similar thing, you know. Yeah. Like, like a rock and roll song. Really. Yeah, yeah. I saw you the last time you were here, you were upstairs and you did the title track. Sacrifice, I thought it was brilliant. Hmm. Brilliant. You got a nice scream you have at the end of that. Yeah, definitely. Is, I think we've played here twice, haven't we? Did we play with Motorhead? Um, I wasn't at that one. I know we, we sold out the lobby gig, didn't we? Yeah, and it was like a out. sweat box. Yeah, that's great. It was roasting. But I'm, I'm, I thought we'd been here twice, actually. You could have been. I could have missed you yeah. the, the time before. I'm, maybe I wasn't living here at the time, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, Sacrifice, really good record. Obviously, Sacrifice, right? Biff, you know, had some great stuff to talk about with sac- Sacrifice. But uh, this is what, 20, 2013, right? Oh, no I think idea. that's what it is. I think it's 2013. Probably. Uh, looking at every two years. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously another another great one. And just, like, a lot of good stuff on here as well. I'm sure you probably like Maiden Belfast. Yeah. Um, I don't like this as much as Call to Arms. Um, yeah. Sacrifice is brilliant. Made in Belfast is a super super song. Towards the end, it kind kind of wanes a lot. Well, I mean, I like I, I like Sacrifice on here. I like the title track. Um, I do like uh, I like Walking the Steel. That one's kind of an, an interesting subject for them. 
Um, you know, and uh, that one, so that one there, Stand Up and Fight is also pretty good. For whatever reason, I, I they, you know, they throw in kind of the fun track with Standing in the Queue. Yeah, at the which, end. <laughs> Which the is odd, great. They put it at the end. Yeah, and the it's, oddball it's, track yeah, at the end. It's, it's yeah. an oddball track, but it's it's great. Um, just kind of a little bit of, of English comedy there because it's always that thing about about uh, the English and standing in the queue. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was just kind of a, a cool one. But, again, I, did, I, I like Sacrifice, and I remember I would listen to this one a lot um, when uh, when my youngest was, was doing some internship and I was waiting, sitting in the car to pick her up, and I in this – this album had just come out. So I was like, always, it ended up, I was listening to this album. So I actually put a, put a crap load of ear time on this one. That's, that's for sure. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, what else do you have here that you think is a standout? Uh, stand up and fight's good. Um, like, the, the, like wheels of terror, night of the wolf. You know, like. Well, wheels of terror was pretty good too. Cause <laughs> I, you know, it's that, it's that motor racing kind of thing. And, uh, you know, interesting, but yeah. I don't. I don't think it's as good as called Arms. It has some tremendous songs on it. I think the first, uh, definitely the first, the first two, I Sacrifice think, and Made in Belfast, stand out to me. I think this. that there's um, maybe it's the pacing. I know. I know a lot of stuff that you tend to like has a certain pacing to it. Yeah. And I think that Called to Arms has more of that kind of pacing mm. than this does. Yeah, I think a lot of this. This is heavier. It's more modern sounding, anyway, yep. than called yep. arms. Yeah, definitely. And I like the Inner Sanctum is probably one of my favorite Saxon albums, and that's as modern as they get for them. Uh huh. But this just doesn't hold up. Yeah. Comparing it to called arms, called arms, yeah. Oh. Eh. Um, and the the artwork on it is cut and paste. Like when you look at, <laughs> when you look at called arms, um, you know the cover and the pictures on the inside are they're. <laughs> Like they're actual real photographs. Yeah. You look at this one and it's kind of, you know, it's photoshopping the band into like this fake tomb and all that. And it just looks, um, just looks bad, you know, quickly done. And uh, I think, I think this whole, this, this thing gave Maiden the out, the whole idea for their last album. That Book Book of of Souls. Souls. Yeah. They looked at this and went, Mayan. Hey, yeah, that'll work. (laughs) I think, I think, I think Maiden had a bigger budget. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I think so. I think Rod Small would make sure, damn sure of that. Yeah, yeah. But who produced this one? Was this Charlie Burfield again? Uh, Andy Sneap. Oh, Andy did this one. Yeah. Or is this the first one with Andy? Yeah. Must be. Yeah. Yeah, it, it sounds great. You know, because Andy's a tremendous producer. But I'm just, I just don't like this as much as um, Called Arms. Yeah. And speaking of Andy, um, he did a great job with Priest. Yeah, out there he was really good, and um, yeah, I mean it, it was kind of weird to see a guy with a with like short hair and a beard playing with him. <laughs> I thought he looked like Joel McCoy. You know? <laughs> I didn't think about that. But um, speaking of which, I got Joel's Black Sabbath book if you want to borrow it. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's the, that's the updated one. Joel, you made yeah. some spelling errors, buddy, and uh, you <laughs> you you mislabeled the picture pretty badly as well. So, just want to say that. <laughs> oh. Okay. I was like, how the hell did he miss this? But uh, anyways, um, yeah, but he did a great job, and, and um, he was really respectful for, with Glenn. So when Glenn came on towards the end, Andy just kind of dropped way in the back and, uh, and just let Glenn shine. And But, yeah, he did a great job. Did he play? Did he stay on the stage when Glenn came out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did. Okay. But he just he just hung way, yeah. way back. Yeah. Okay. Like, 
pretty much like I'm not here. And uh, yeah, I did, and yeah, I did a did a great job, and it was you know I was I was kind of really torn going there to be like, you know when I you know obviously as Andy you know I'm really respecting him as a producer and stuff, and um, but you know you're kind of like well you don't know how he's going to be with Priest and it's going to be different, it's not going to be Glenn and all that, but and uh, then you know he did a fantastic job, and then Glenn I you know I thought oh maybe Glenn's going when he came out I'm like oh crap he's going to play maybe one song and that's it, but he actually played you know quite a few so i was like wow this is this is pretty cool you know and uh, uh but he did yeah and he did a great job on that uh, apparently for you though he didn't do as good a job on sacrifice <laughs> i don't think it's the it's the sound of it it's just the songs yeah i don't think the songs yeah. are as good yeah all right well um why don't we uh go on to uh to battering ram and see mm-hmm. what, what biff has to talk about with battering ram now this one battering ram this one i love yeah we're obviously getting better. Yeah. But I think I think on this one we were. De- I was well. I was definitely more focused on what I wanted mm-hmm. from songwise, you know, lyrically and melodically. Yeah. So I, I suppose on this one, um, there's a few more of Nibs' ideas on this one as well. Yeah. And so, Andy yeah. Sneet now is a producer. Um, he's done great work at Accept and Megadeth and all that. Now, did you know Andy from uh, Sabbath and mm. Skycloud? You from did? Sabbath, yeah. Sabbath, is it? Yeah. So yeah. you knew him years ago? We knew him years ago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're children with us. So I knew him as a young lad, really, when he was 18. Yeah, the one thing I've heard about Andy is he just gets amazing sounds. Well, the thing is with Andy, the reason he's perfect for us is because he's very modern, but he loves the eighties, so he can like connect it somehow, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he thinks something's shit, he'll tell you. He's honest. Which is what you need. Yeah, he's brutally really honest. Yeah. So is he someone that makes it work quickly in the studio? Uh, we're pretty quick in the studio, but we only go as fast as we need to go, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. We don't do self-indulgent. Yeah. So when you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Does he do a lot of? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Does he do a lot of uh, pre-production? Like you don't write in the studio at all, do you? Uh, you go in your door. I write in the studio. I'm yeah. always rewriting lyrics in the studio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some lines don't work or something's not right. You know. Okay. We'll we'll change things right at the last minute. Okay. So me, Doug, and Paul were in there. Actually, just before we came to America, actually. Okay. I think the day before we flew, I was finishing the vocal. So we were working right up to the point. Because, you know, when, when you listen to the rough mixers and you can hear things that aren't right or things that could be better or get a new idea, so you never turn the switch off until, you know, until Andy's... Even now, we could do something different, you know, yeah, do, do I could go to a studio and do a few vocals and send them to him. Yeah, do, so, do you find it hard to let go of a song then because of that? Because you can keep changing it? You can no, keep it. no, no, I don't find it hard. I mean, there's always something you can improve. Yeah. That, that's uh, that's always, always the same Okay. With any, with any artist. Okay. You can always do yeah. things about it. I love that shot on the back as well. Yeah, it's nice. Man cave shot, yeah. It is a nice shot. In fact, when we did that, it, all, every band, after, well, not every band, loads of bands did the man cave shots. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Hanging out with, hanging out in a room with beers and guitars and, <laughs> What's and wrong bikes, with that? you know what I mean? What's wrong with that? There's about five, <laughs> five bands did it straight afterwards, you know. Like, well, that's a great look, yeah. Yeah. The song I love on this is uh, The Devil's Footprint. Yeah, that's a great track. Yeah, yeah you got track. someone to do the voiceover in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, it's very, um, you know, folky. 
Yeah. In fact, it wasn't just England. It happened in America as well. And I think there was one in, a, in Ireland, you know, the cloven hoof over the roofs and the snow. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a common folk tale, if you know what I mean. Yeah. In different in different countries. Yeah. Um, Kingdom of the Cross is very different for you guys. It's really well, I wrote, I wrote a poem. Yeah. About about the uh, you know the the First World War graves basically. Yeah. And um, and I, I put it online. I wasn't going to make it into a song. And then Nigel came up with this really nice um, keyboard part. So I thought, yeah, we'll do it. And then I thought, I don't I don't really I'd like it to be read like poetry, not sang. So we got I've made Dave to do it from hell. And um, who's an actor, uh, you know, to put on the northern, you know, the working class voice. Yeah. And uh, I think it worked really well, you know. Duke came up with a nice chorus, and I came up with the melody for it, but I think it's well, and, and, and it's very unusual, you know, it's a very unusual song for anybody to do, not just us, mm. to have the spoken word with a rock band, you know. Yeah, I thought it's fit really well on the album it kind of makes it you know albums go up and down a little bit yeah you had, you had a song like that that brought it down and then yeah. you had like three sheets to the wind well yeah it's it. a great it's a great track it draws you in yeah and you listen to the lyrics you know yeah is that a track you'd like to do live um it's not some we play it live we play it every walk off stage yeah but i don't know if we could play it live or not we probably could but it, it, to me, it's more of an unplugged type thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, the other, like, Three Sheets of the Wind again. Another kind of funny song <laughs> to throw in at the end. Well, it's about getting drunk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no way. Really? Saying, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I wanted to write some drunk lyrics, so then that's it, really. Yeah, yeah. What's your attitude now towards keyboards? Has it changed a lot over the years? Were you against it in the beginning? Because we, well, we we use a lot of we use we don't use a lot on this tour. We're not using anything. It's just really raw. But um, you know, Nibs has two samplers and bass pedals, so we do play a lot of samples yeah. in our song. But usually they're real samples, mm-hmm. you know or I mean? things from the album. You know, uh, and Nigel has uh, things like you know, jet planes and fucking racing cars and bells and things. So we do use samples, you know, but they, we don't have a click track running. Okay. You know, we're not playing to a, to a, a track. Mm-hmm. We're just playing them live. So I suppose in some ways we are using modern technology, but we're bringing it to a live. Yeah.
So a battering ram, as you're holding there, I mean, that's came out in 2015, but that's the um, the first Saxon the album that I bought on vinyl in probably since the 80s. <laughs> yeah, you haven't even opened it. But they had a nice box set with the CD and the vinyl, gatefold vinyl and all that. And, you know, they were only going to make a certain number of them, and I just couldn't resist. And uh, it felt good to, to buy Saxon vinyl again and actually be able to see the cover big and all that because obviously the CD cover itself is pretty dark. Um, but yeah, it, w- it was it was definitely it was cool. Yeah, I know I haven't opened it yet, and even but then again today I got the Killing Is My Business, the Final Kill re-release, and I felt weird to be like, wow, I'm like opening like, re 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 re-release on red vinyl, signed by Dave. Oh, but okay. uh, actually signed by by Dave, by Dave, and by Chris. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, but it was kind of cool to to reopen it in the shrink wrap vinyl. Cause you know, bands like a sound of thunder, I'll get their stuff, but they don't, it's, they've already signed to me and stuff and it's already been open. And it's kind of was a, a weird like experience to go back and reopen shrink wrap on vinyl. Cause even when I bought like Sabbath 13 on vinyl, it wasn't in the, in the set, it wasn't shrink wrapped either. So it was kind of like, wow, this is old school going back and doing that. Felt okay. weird. <laughs> Cause I've opened a lot of vinyl, yeah. but anyways, battering Ram, I thought, uh, you know, it, it was um, a little different. This one took me a little bit longer to, to for whatever reason, to, to get into. I don't know why. I don't know if I was just in a different place or what. But, uh, yeah, this one it just took me a little bit longer to, to, I don't know why. I don't know about you. This one's stellar. Yeah? Stellar album. Um, not that it was bad, but, you know, sometimes you're just like, and it might be that not even that... Um, you're in a certain frame of mind where you can't like accept new music or anything, but it's just for some reason you may have like eight albums in front of you, and there's just one that takes a while. It's it's kind of similar to um, when uh, when when uh, Metallica put out Death Magnetic, and it was just like when it first came out, I just couldn't really connect with it, and then ten months later I put it in, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is freaking awesome. You know, I mean, I know that Jay and I had done a show about that and, and we were both kind of just not connecting with it. But yeah, that after a while, I just, just different, I don't know, different day, different mindset. And it was like, all right, I'm really getting this now. Um, I mean, definitely now, you know, the title track is, is, is a great one. Devil's Footprint is a great one as well. Oh, brilliant. You know, um, and this just... This album lives up to its name. Is after a while you listen to it, and it's like a battering ram to your skull. Yeah, um, when when I interviewed Biff and they did the sound check, first song they did in the sound check was battering ram. Ah, and uh, it was fucking amazing. <laughs> well, it's a good one from the warmer's voice up in too, because it doesn't a lot of a lot of high parts. It's small high parts, mm. you know, and then kind of back to his range. Yeah, the devil's footprint is brilliant. Yeah, the yeah. riff on that is. Just fucking. That was the first one that on here that I really was that I connected with was that one. Yeah, and Kingdom of the Cross is very different. And um, but that, again, they they sequenced it right that they put that at the end. Yeah, and I talked to Biff about that. And um, but I, like, great thing about Saxon. One of the things I love about them is they always bring out ten song albums. Uh-huh. No bullshit. Yep. Forty odd minutes. Yeah. All quality for the most part. And this one is is top drawer stuff, in my opinion. I think this this album is uh, 
it's better. It's to me, it's far better than sacrifice. Yeah. Um, is it as good as call to arms? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. But um, and and then they have the bonus record. track on there too. There, the three sheets to the wind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the very end. Yeah. About drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, I thought that was that was uh, I, yeah. Again, I thought this was a really was a pretty cool one. Um, just um. Yeah, like I said, the initial thing was like, I'm just not connecting with it, which was a little distressing to me at the time, but yeah. Yeah, the, the song on this called Hard and Fast, mm-hmm. that's the album, really. It's all hard and fast. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah, another just another stellar album from the band. You know, I just can't fault them at this stage with the stuff they're putting out. None of it's shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, there's no destiny here. Yeah, well, well <laughs> when when you look at uh, the discography that we've done, like I know it's taken us like eight years to do it, but um, you know there's been ups and downs in their in their career. A lot of people like point to the uh, you know the late eighties, early nineties, but I think ever since they got dug in for, I think it was Unleashed a Beast. Well, they yeah, they really made and, and 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 I think Nibs has a good, has a, yeah. a pretty important part too because. You know, part of what really got me into Saxon, and I'm sure I've t- said this a million times, was 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 the bass. Yeah. You know, and so and and having that, it was you didn't have any other band that just had that front thing where it was just there, and you just you couldn't deny it. You know what I mean? The, the closest was you know after that would have been like Cliff Williams with ACDC, where it was you know when he was just doing those steady eighth notes and sixteenth notes, but. You know, Nibs brings that back to the band, and and at the time where they were kind of floating there for a while, they were also going through a really long series of, of bass players too. Yeah, definitely. Just trying to get the right guy in the band. Yeah, but um, I think since Unleashed the Beast, they haven't made a bad album. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say the same about the '80s because some of the '80s albums, like the Crusaders, got some great songs, but in my opinion, has some crap on it, and so has Rock the Nations. Destiny is one or two good songs, a lot of rubbish. Uh-huh. Um, what's the one after that? Well, Solid Ball of Rock is some good songs. I like on that it. one. Yeah. yeah, it's got some good songs yeah. on it. It's kind of a return to form, but when they get Dog and Nibs in the band, there's a definite improvement in the band's sound. Yeah. Um, well, I think, too, that you know now you know, UDR is letting them do what they want to do, and they're, they're a big enough name now as well that you know they've earned their spot and and no one really screws around with them anymore and says well you need to make this commercial hit or you need to do that or you need to do with all the kind of the, either the stuff in the 80s that they were told to do or the stuff in the 80s that they opted to try to chase down to do they're not doing anymore they're just doing what they want to do which is great you know yeah, but there's no point in them doing that anymore right anyway. i mean that's the great thing like you know it's part of my thing of really liking, you know, a band like A Sound of Thunder. They could probably go on a major label and stuff, but it meant it means doing things that they don't want to do. Instead, they get incredible crowdfunding success because they they do what they want. What it is that they want is is so great and amazing that they just are able to continue to do what they want. And I think Saxon's at that point after having you know earned it over crap load of years but it's that same thing of like now they're just free to do whatever they want to do and the fans accept it and they're not chasing stuff mm. how long more do you give them well i mean 
They seem to be in, in pretty good form. Um, you know, I think it's probably it's it's beating the crap out of Nigel. You know, yeah, he um, <laughs> funny. Uh, he came out onto the stage for the sound check, and I swear he looked like my granddad. Yeah, like he didn't have the any of the stage clothes uh-huh. on him or anything. Yeah. He, he just looked old. Uh huh. He just looked fucking really <laughs> old. Kind of like when I was looking at Graham Bonnet at Shanker Fest. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's seventy, and uh, you know he's. Drummers how physical that gig is. Yeah, um, and and now they're doing phenomenal. a lot of these things with like double bass and all this other stuff, and it's it's actually become more demanding on the guy than less. Yeah, they did they did two fast songs. One of them was heavy metal thunder, one after the other, and he looked fucked after. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. And uh, but all that like all those years on the road, and oh, that's got to take a toll on you. Like Biff's nearly seventy, and you know, Paul must be up there as well, and I know Doug is probably younger. Yeah, and Nibs is younger, but right. Still, you know, that's it's got to catch up with you at some stage. It is, but I think I think that they've, you know, not that I'm living in Biff's back pocket, but you know, I think they've done a thing now where they're able to balance that out, where they're they're on the road, and then then they're like just they're relaxing, you know, they're kicking back, and you know, they're not doing much, and. They're doing shorter tours and stuff. So, although I, I will say that they're they're over in the U.S. more than they've ever have been. That's true. They were here in in the end of last year. They were yeah. here with Priest. Yeah. Um, they're probably doing the festival circuit again this summer. I know they're touring in the U.K. for definite at the end of the year. Hmm. Um, but a band like that, they make them. That's where you make your money is on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, how long can they stay off the road? How can they afford to stay off the road? It's all well and good, like relaxing, but you got to bring start bringing money in, you know. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, and these guys aren't aren't spring chickens anymore. Nope. I'm not just talking about them. I'm fucking talking about everybody at this <laughs> stage. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, but uh, I mean, it, they continue to do great stuff. I mean, it's it's amazing. That they that they do, you know. I mean, Thunderbolt came out, and it's just like, holy crap, this album's awesome. I think in a, in a lot of ways, um, they're kind of underappreciated. Yeah, well, but you know, like I said, I, I you know was surprised to see how many younger kids were at that show, and and it was even weirder to see that they were all, you know, when they played things like Heavy Metal Thunder, they knew that stuff, and then the newer stuff, no. But you know, guys like you or me, yeah, they all they all knew that stuff, you know. Where are they fucking hearing the old stuff? This is what, what radio station over here is playing Strong Harmony? It's, pro- it's probably on like Pandora and Spotify and things like that. You get the right station on there. Yeah, but if... I don't know. I think at this stage you can go on Spotify and get everything. Like, why would you start with the early stuff? And then, would, you know, I'd start with the later stuff. I mean, if, if, you're into like, if you're into something like Metallica, I mean, they have a habit of playing a lot of, like, Saxon before the shows and stuff. Lars talks about them still all the time. And, uh, you know, so people start to pick up with it that way. Maybe maybe they saw, they saw uh, Biff sing Motorcycle Man with, with Metallica. Could be. And then went back and just listened to that album. And Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely, you know, a band that's, that's gaining a lot of, uh, kind of like, almost like that last surviving Nawabam <clears throat> band, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe a lot of it's the parents as well. The parents haven't listened to the newer stuff either, so the kids are force-fed the early stuff. 
I didn't think about that, but yeah, it could be. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, I think that's that's got a lot. That's interesting because, wow, that's interesting. I'm just thinking back to, to the Shanker Fest show. Wow. Like, wow. That's, and, and, um, there were a couple of people that were around us and there was like, there was one guy, he was, uh, I mean, I, I think he would have licked Shanker's balls. I mean, he was just like an ultimate Shanker head and he had, he had, um, I think it was his son and daughter that were, were with him and they knew like all the old stuff. You could tell he like, he played that stuff growing you know, when they were growing up. Um, and so and I, I, I would place these kids. They're probably like early 20s. So not like, you know, 14, 15-year-old kids. Um, but like early 20s because um, just I'm guessing. But, uh, but then when like Doogie came out and sang stuff from Temple of Rock, like they, they didn't know it. And, and he didn't know it. What about the Rob McCauley stuff? Did he know that? Oh, yeah. Did oh, he yeah. know that? Yeah, he knew that stuff. stuff. He knew okay. all the, he knew everything that Graham sang, everything that, that Gary Barton sang, everything that Rob McCauley sang. And by the way, Rob McCauley was spot freaking on. I couldn't go to that either. And uh, just in, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So there's another one I was looking forward to seeing yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah, Robin was, was on. He was, he was, I, I like Doogie's voice a lot. Um, I think he's super, super uh, singer. But Robin came out, had the stage presence, and it sounded just like Macaulay Shanker. I well, mean, he he's lost nothing. Well, you have to think, like, about when you talk about Robin, um, he's doing Raiding the Rock Vault. Sure, he's he's doing three or four, maybe five shows a week. Yeah, so he's keeping his voice in top-notch form anyway. Yeah, but even if you try to keep it in form, I mean, there's a thing with, you know, just, hey, Mother Nature's a bitch. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of high stuff that I can't hit anymore. Um, There's even some low stuff I can't hit anymore. But he was spot on. It was, like, fantastic to hear. It really was. What was Gary Barden like? Uh, eh. (laughs) Of of all the singers he had with... With MSG. Now he was also Gary the first the guy one. out, right? Yeah, and and they're, so they're trying to still like dial the sound in, but he was kind of mumbly, and he was using the same five stage moves over and over again, and and uh, it, it just I don't know. I, I think he and 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 I blame part of it on the sound guy and part of it on Gary, where I don't think Gary was was putting the punch in his voice that he needs to to articulate over everything. So, yeah, it just, it wasn't as good. Um, Graham, you couldn't hear him. It was like, oh, this, you know, and obviously because you saw the seats I had, and I was like, yeah, it's Graham, his mouth's open, I don't hear anything coming out. Like, <laughs> and then Robin comes out and just freaking nails everything, you know, and just is like the consummate, like, rock star. And, uh, and then, you know, then Doogie, I mean, for half the show, Doogie's coming out, he's got his, like, hoodie on, he looks like a hobbit coming out. He's got the hood on, and he's just like. So I'm sure most of the people didn't even know who the hell he was. And I was like, "Oh, fucking Doogie's here!" Yeah, I think he's a phenomenal singer. He did an album with um, that Whammy album a few years ago with Vinnie Apice, Marco Mendoza, and I think some Polish kid. Yeah, and he's singing on it as fuck. Uh, even that label. last Rainbow album, "Strangers in a Saw." Oh, that fantastic. was in the '90s. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. No one knows that. about it. Yeah, I love that album. You know? Yeah. 
But um, I'm glad they brought Doogie over. But I, I knew that that was the reception he was going to get. You know, a lot of people were going to go. Uh, yeah, well, that album, didn't, I mean, it just it, it came out and it just freaking disappeared. I mean, good luck trying to find a copy. Which you one? Know? Strangers in Us All. Yeah. You know? It just went down. It went down a black hole. You yeah, know, it was in '94, who's '95? Who's fucking buying Rainbow? I'm <laughs> saying, except us. You know, so it's it's yeah, it's uh, no, that was a great that was a great show, absolutely great show. But anyway, Saxon. I mean, I think that's a good point you made, though. I didn't I didn't think about it that way, but you could very well be right. Yeah, you can play that to a lot of bands. ACDC, Def Leppard, you name it. Yeah, if, if the parents don't have it, they, yeah. they're not listening. That's to possible. It. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I didn't think about it that way, but yeah. yeah. Now, I'm one of the few, well, I wouldn't say a few fans, but I actually prefer your newer stuff to the older stuff. People prefer the older songs. No, say. no, I prefer the newer stuff. Yeah. I think you're better now well, than you were. It, it, it's, it's how it is, you know. I mean, people um, people know uh, Denim and Leather and you know, Princess of the Night. They want to fucking hear them live. Yeah. How do you, how it is. How do you still stay motivated to write? now like because the industry is not the way it was you could easily go out and play the old stuff and you don't well yeah we could we could do uh, you know we could just go out and play the hits yeah yeah but it's not it's not really uh, we do play the hits but it, it, it's what we do we write albums you know we write songs yeah and um, you know I love writing lyrics and poetry so it, it's what I do mm. so mm. So, if you were to do a solo album, what would it sound like? Uh, I don't know, really. I mean, I've written some songs for a solo album, but Saxon keep getting in the way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, you know, I've got, I've got three, three or four songs. I mean, I think it would be probably more rock and roll. Okay. Although I'm a bit of a metalhead, so it might be mixed, you know. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Do you think you're ever going to do one? Yeah, I've started recording already. Okay. You know, but the thing with the Battering album was so popular that, you know, the tour, well, we're still touring, really. Yeah. You know, and um, we've made another Saxon album, so we have to tour on that now, so... Yeah. I suppose it's a bit on the back burner. Yeah. But I have a studio at home, so, you know... Um, yeah, it's just a matter of getting the guitar out and playing a bit and getting... Would you would you and, like and proficient on the guitar again? Would you like to play the instruments on it? Would you like to get guests um, on it? Or well, obviously I can play bass. I used to be a bass player. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I can play. Yeah, I've got a good rhythm guitar. I'm okay. Okay. You know. Okay. I got to ask you a question. Um, when we had Charlie on, he said he was doing the Metalhead record, and he said that you, you left him alone in the studio one of the weekends with Paul <laughs> to see how he'd do with him. And he said he, he called me up. Yeah, he said that he he like Paul. He said can either be brilliant or he can be so off the wall yeah. to rein him in. That's right. And I promised Charlie that if I saw you, I'd ask you. That's right. He is uh, he is he is, a bit, he is a bit of a genius, Paul, on the guitar, but he can go um, over the top. He's um, he's, he's an amateur inventor. <laughs> you know, so, like a bit of an Einstein and uh, you know if he gets these ideas in his head about having you know 14 Marshall Cubs and making each one up to see which is the best sound he will do that if you don't say like no 
you mm. can't do those. You know, it's a bit of a nutcase. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, yeah, and, yeah, it was good fun. And me and Doug went home for the weekend, and Charlie phoned me, oh, you got to do something about Paul, he's got all these martial gaps set up, and, you know, he's driving me mad, and I can't get him to play anything. He's like, you know, rewiring his wah wah pedals and things, like, like Paul, yeah. you stop it now, mate. <laughs> yeah. His dog the just. The studio stood waiting for him to play guitar, <laughs> you know. And his, his dog just completely different to Paul. It, yeah, Doug, personality wise, yeah, playing yeah, wise, everything. Yeah, Doug, Doug's much more laid back than okay. Paul is, much more um, different. I mean, Paul uh, is quite an aggressive player. Yeah. yeah he plays really hard, bends really hard. Whereas Doug's um, uh, a bit more sort of, uh, of a, you know, like a more modern player, really. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, it's a bit lighter on the touch okay. than Paul is. Yeah, so you're, you're back now doing another tour with UFO. You were here last year with UFO. Yeah, yeah. Are you surprised you were back so soon, the same uh, bill? Well, they asked us to come back, you know, and we said, right, it's only three weeks, so yeah, we'll come back. Yeah, you must have a history with those guys going Pardon? way back. The UFO guys, you must know all them from way back. Yeah, we, we toured with them in the ages, yeah. UFO. Yeah. Uh, with um, Paul Chapman, was on guitar. Pete Way. Yeah, Pete Way, yeah. yeah. Pete Way was in them. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was great. I love UFO. Yeah, the great. I mean, we were, yeah, and they were influenced by UFO definitely, and um, you know they put some great rock songs. And they were, you know, some of their stuff is like quite mental. Mm -hmm. Some of the harder riffy stuffs, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they influenced a lot of people. UFO. Yeah. They did. Yeah. So when do you think the new album's coming out? Early next year. Twenty-first of January. Oh, you've a date and all set. Mm -hmm. You probably have tour dates in too. Could change, I suppose. Yeah, we're we're touring. Uh, we're touring. We're touring America in March. But I can't tell you if it's with. Okay. Okay. So we're doing some shows in uh, Europe and UK in uh, February for the album release. Some like uh, you know smaller towns. Okay. And then we go back in autumn and do a full European tour. Festivals too. American tour. Festivals too. Uh, we've all a festival. We're not doing as many this year, I don't think. Okay. Uh, but we've we've uh, confirmed a couple, I think, already. Yeah. You seem to be coming over to the US a lot more than you used to. Is that by design? Yeah, I think since uh, since sort of um, probably call to arms, really. Yeah. Been coming more often. Okay. Um, you know, we have we have a lot of fans here. You know, most most of the people on Facebook. You know, a lot of them are American. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that go there. So, uh, yeah, there's a there's a huge uh, you know fan base of, of, in America that uh, you know I haven't really forgot about them because we're not touring. You know, they're not really involved. Yeah. So you know these tours with Motorhead and Priest and UFO and then they are so I'm saying they all make us the profile rise. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. I think what amazes me about you know a lot of fans is they don't understand that it's not the bands that don't want to come; it's the promoters. Yeah, it, it, the people who don't give you gigs. That's it. They don't yeah. give you the. But they all, every time any band puts on where they're playing, they all, I, you always see it on Facebook. Please play here. Please play here. Yeah, yeah. Like, the band, if the band are paid to play there, they'll go. Well, yeah, and we sold out uh, the gig here really quickly. Yeah. And they said, oh, you, you shouldn't be playing here, you should be playing downstairs, which is here, right? Mm -hmm. So let's see. 
We're playing downstairs now with UFO. Yeah. Let's see how many people come. Well, this was originally supposed to be upstairs. No. No, I didn't no. think so. No. I know that when you played here last year at the Brighton Music Hall, it was tiny. I was thinking, what the hell are they doing playing there? Well, you know, that's what we got given. So yeah. We'll see. Yeah, so it's great you're back. Now we're in the big event venue. Good. The biggest show tonight, be great. Mm-hmm. Also running around, the great fun. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah, you, Yeah, good. So, what, good. what social media links do you have? Do you want to give them out where people can get in touch with the band? Well, the, uh, obviously, uh, uh, Saxon Facebook official. Yeah. Uh, we have Twitter. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Instagram. What do you like on the new technology? Are you active on it at all? Yeah, or? also if you want to talk to me in person, then go at Biff Byford. Okay. On Twitter. Excellent. I'm on there all the time. Excellent. So yeah. Great. We've got it all covered. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, good. And uh, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks very much. All right, Biff. Sort of. I mean, well, now we don't have three more. Now they've put out Thunderbolt. Now we're like, great. Now we gotta. Ah, well. Now we can do the show for another. It, I, it's good they're still years. bringing out albums because uh, then we can keep going. <laughs> the discography. So uh, I'm not doing any other discography anytime soon. <laughs> oh, someone, someone asked me that what was it the other day? Um, could I try and get Chris DeGarmo on? And I'm like. I just did two hours of Queensryche with Jason <laughs> Slater. Luck Chris on. Yeah. Um, it, it's amazing. Like, some of the people, they ask me, can I get these guys on? And it's like, it, it's great they ask, but it's fucking hard to get these guys and just even find out how to get in contact with it. Yeah. Is yeah. Virtually impossible. Yeah. Like, if I got DeGarmo on, I'd love it. But yeah. Oh, you never, you, you might. I mean, you. You've been like the Mountie getting his man with everything else. So. I don't know about that. No. You know, I got, 
you know, got Greg, Greg Jeffrey on. That was a good get. Yeah. Um, he was very good. He was hungover. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was hungover. And uh, I could have spoken to him for longer, but I had to get back to work. But, you know, then we got Brian Howe coming up. And there's a couple of albums that came out in it, you know, 88. That was the whole deal with the House of Lords one and, and Brian Howe. And I got one or two more guys that are probably going to come on and talk about albums they did then that are 30 Good. years old. Good. Um, yeah. Maybe spot check them towards the end of the year. I'm not, I'd, I think the Kerrang thing at this stage, we've done enough. Well, we got, we still got, we got Dave uh, Reynolds and Mick Wall. Yeah. Um, I have an idea to get, to get someone on. I, I might try and get Joel on to do the front for Mick Wall because, uh, have you heard his new podcast they're doing, Mick and Joel? No. Dead Rock no. Stars? No. <laughs> it's brilliant. They've done um, they've done four episodes. They've done Lemmy, they've done Dio, Freddie Mercury, and John Bonham. Huh. And uh, of course, Mick has met all these guys. So you gonna we gonna uh, bust his chops for like stealing our gig? No. <laughs> but I figure we don't write books. <laughs> I, I figure I might get Joel on because he can talk about that as well. Plus, yeah. I'm sure Joel's our age. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure he was a big. McWall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fan yeah. Kerrang. Yeah. So uh, hopefully I'll set that up by the time we do the McWall mm. uh, episode. But cool. Yeah, everything's going along. All right. Visual. Well, as we've been saying for a few weeks now, or at least I've been saying for a few weeks now, despite you trying to get down here, is, uh, <laughs> yeah, we just, so it's, uh, you know, we tried to make sure we get Saxon in before we actually take a, a well-deserved summer break and uh, actually take july and chill well that never happens yeah i know it never does <laughs> it never does but and we get hit up or that never happens yeah i'll come back in a couple of weeks in july and we'll have audio till september 2019 but yeah we are <laughs> going to attempt to try to take try to take july off and uh and just because this is kind of like a constant like Almost like a hamster on a wheel. It's like it's nonstop. Like well, a lot of it is. For, it is for you a lot of you it know? because you do all the you do all the editing work. I do the interviews and send them to you, and you got to cut and paste it and edit out all my dumb questions. <laughs> but uh, it's you know yeah. So it's it'll be nice to just kind of kind of take a month and uh, and and just kind of chill and recharge the batteries and uh, and then launch back into it for August and. Uh, you know, do the do the drive to to the winter break. So yeah, we got some uh, got some discussion topics. All right, so we'll yeah. get them in. Got some good ones, I think. All right. Well, I hope so. All right. Well, that is it for us for uh, for about a month, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again in August. So uh, that's it. There ain't no more stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. Until we talk to you again in August, have yourselves a good metal July. And uh, this is Scott. And Richie, who'll be back here in February next year. (laughs) (laughs) And as we say, remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here.
here. It's over. Go home.